Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Happy birthday, Eric. All right. Well, thank you. But we got a lot of just um, fact checking that you and I need to do. We need to do some clarification. You started it. It's true. True. You took it to another level. Uh, So here's the deal. Several days ago, September 1st, was Ward's birthday, where he turned 45 years old. Great number. I was excited. I was excited for 45 and for people to know that I turned 45. No, it's great. It's a great number. Um, I am no longer 45 as of today. So I thought it would be fun to put out a little video, as has become our tradition to put out videos for each other on the Twitter account, on the old X account, if you will. And so in that, I just dropped that you had turned 50 and thought this will be funny. People will maybe buy it and wish him a happy 50th, of which many did. Yeah. Uh, many. No, it many- happened for sure. And so then I knew I told Holly, I told anybody that was that that was aware of what was happening. Just just batting down the hatches because something's coming. Something's coming. Hell's coming. You you don't when your birthday is a few days after mine, you you're setting yourself up for the spike. Yes. And and do you want to tell people what you did? Well, there was some debate. Uh, I had one other final contender as to what I would do, which I'm going to not reveal because I might need that next year. We'll see. We'll see. It depends what you do, really. You you dictate um, whatever I might do for your birthday wishes, sincere or not. So I was like, well, I mean, I can't just come back at him with 51. You know, that's people yeah, won't sure. make as big a deal out of it. It's 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 not good enough to just do it at the same level i have to one up or at the very least layer and this term uh, hat upon a hat upon a hat i'm not sure if you're familiar with a hat upon a hat i i can understand what it is right so i was like well okay we'll just slide 51 in won't even make a big deal out of that but what what is going to annoy you the most what is going to be the most annoying 
possible combination of things I could say. And I'm like, well, he's from St. Louis, so I should tell everybody he was born in Kansas City because I think sure. that's a thing. Um, he loves the fact that he was born and raised an Indiana fan, so I should definitely mention that he used to root for Mizzou. <laughs> but then really the most annoying thing that he would have to contend with would be the wrong birthday. So I decided that I would put it on blast the day before your birthday, September 3rd. And, and you know, just to really make it stick was encourage people to put it in their phones and their calendars. So it's not just this year you have to deal with it, but hopefully in future years, people will wish you happy birthday a day early. And it worked. <laughs> Many people, including people like Jeff Rabjohns, and others, others within the Indiana basketball community reached out to wish me a happy birthday, many of which said, I really thought your birthday was on the 4th. In fact, Kent Davis, who's a friend of ours, has twins whose birthday are, is, is? The, the 4th. And Kent and I have talked about how I have the same birthday as his twins and you even fooled him. <laughs> and he he said to text to me saying, I really thought you had the same birthday as my twins, but Ward put it out. So just to clear <laughs> the record, never was born in Kansas City, was born in St. Louis. Hate Mizzou and always hated him, always loved Indiana. And my birthday is September 4th, not September 3rd. And Ward is 45. I am 46. So I will say this, though, Ward. I started thinking about, all right, well, now what am I going to do? <laughs> and I realized that we should call a truce because, because <laughs> the ideas that I had would cause irreparable harm. I think. <laughs> um, I'm fine with this being the year we pranked each other on our birthday and letting it go at that though. The, the one thing we can't undo is the considerable number of ex followers who don't listen to the podcast. Yeah. But you know what? Over time, they'll they'll figure it out, especially, you know, they're like, oh, wait, you were how young when you took right. that picture with Calbert Cheney? There were some people using their noggin out there who came to our rescue on the Peaks board, but it was all in good fun. And uh, I'm glad we get to spend a few moments here on your birthday together, your actual birthday. Well, thank you. I, I, I uh, am happy to be able to spend some of it with you as well. And I do need to share. I got some great gifts. Um Holly knows the way to my heart is right through the belly. And she got me like a gift certificate to this high end butcher, basically online Ooh. that like collects the best top quality meat from farms and ranches across the country. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Um, taking me to dinner tonight. My parents got me some cigars, as you can imagine, and, sure. and really good. But there is the coup de gras gift. And I need to turn off, it serves so many purposes for this podcast. I need to turn this, the background, the virtual background off for a second. Okay. What's coming in? Oh. <laughs> for those of you on the audio podcast only, Ward, could you please describe what my generous, lovely parents presented me as a gift that I opened today? It is a very nice frame that is matted and the picture in the center of the frame and the mat is of you, Eric, cutting down the nets at assembly hall in your championship victory over my team. Now, 
I was happy to not bring up that I won the championship today. But then the gift came. I like made a conscious decision. I'm not going to bring it up. Let's just move on. I'll bring it up like in a couple of weeks. But then that gift came and I'm like, well, how do I not share that? Well, I mean, obviously you are powerless against sharing that. Just like when CJ Gunn's father, Chris, uh, congratulated me on my 50th birthday. And then you, like, as as some sort of consolation prize at the end of your video, says, oh, but Ward did beat me in pig in one-on-one. And, and Chris brings that up over Twitter. But you immediately have to respond with that same photograph and be like, J- just kidding, just kidding. Uh, I actually want all the glory for myself. So I thought that was very no. big of you on my birthday. Not for myself, Ward. For the team. <laughs> for the team you are. There's no there's no E in team. Oh wait, there is. As always, we are Power by Communitycars.com Sponsor of the Illusion Engines talk with water You know, Evan, Evan Martin of Community Cars. What? What? Evan Martin, also not 50 years old. No, exactly. It kind <laughs> of started with Evan that we said he was 50. I think you said that. No, you said that. Oh, did I? Yeah. Okay. And and I was just going along with it like I did. And then later I was like, is it Evan younger than us? But like you did on my video, the way you slipped it in on the pod, just very nonchalant, very convincing, where sure. even those like myself who should know better are just like, yeah, why wouldn't we trust Eric? Even you started questioning whether you were 50. The like, way that, that I make me, does that make me fifty four? <laughs> <laughs> so Evan, when when you uh, when I did the video for you, he's like, oh, I like that this fifty joke is continuing. And then when you did your video, he's like, wait a minute, what's going on? Is this your birthday or not? <laughs> but can I tell you something? Sure, I've got an Evan Martin community car story that involves how great community cars is. Okay, and how stupid I am. Oh, I love it. You know this story. I told you some of it already. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I have pictorial evidence of this story. So on Friday, had my normal routine, got up, had a little exercise in the morning, got in my car, had my my morning, st- my morning stick, if you will, sure. and uh, got in the car, lowered the windows, lit up the cigar, and went on my way. Backed out of the driveway, started walking, started rolling, and I started smelling like what it smells like when there's LA fires, you know, there's a stench in the air that you can, you can smell. And the sky was a little hazy on Friday. And I was like, Oh man, there must be some really bad fires. That's bad. And I kept driving and I still smoking my cigar. And I'm like, I always feel a little bad when I know there's LA fires and I'm smoking in my car. I just find that to be just weird. See, I would think that would be the time you'd feel the least bad. You're like, well, there's smoke in the air anyway. I might as well (laughs) contribute. Yeah, well, but then, of course, I get selfish and I'm like, wait a minute. Am I hurting myself more by the stench that I'm smelling from outside rather than the cigar smoke that I'm putting out into the world? So I'm like, man, I I, maybe it'll just go away and I don't want to quit smoking the cigar. So I'll just keep going. And I get I don't know, about a minute, minute and a half outside of my house. And the smell is even worse. And then I look to my right and my center console armrest is on fire. (laughs) Flames 
are shooting up like six inch flames. And I start what you doing what you would do, which is freaking out. And yeah. I start blowing on it, which does not help. Not usually. No, it would go out for a second and then a fireball would come back even bigger. It was like crazy. And then I realized what was happening. My cigar lighter that I lit my cigar with and then put down like I do. It's like just, you know, it's a involuntary torch. behavior. It's, a, it's torch. a torch, not a lighter. Big difference. That's true. It malfunctioned and it stayed lit, which it shouldn't because it has a button that you press mm -hmm. and it stayed lit and it was shooting directly at the armrest through my house key, which it melted. <laughs> <laughs> into the leather and caused the fire. So I grab the lighter, which is scalding hot, throw it out of the window. I don't know what to do. And then start tamping down the fire with my hand. Luckily, put the fire out. Realize how stupid I am. The leather has melted on the, on the center console. So I tell you about it very quickly and send you the pictures of the molten key One and of my, the it, burned... It was Got it was so. one of my favorite birthday presents I got was you <laughs> nearly setting yourself on fire. And I then called Evan Martin. And I was like, I just set fire to my car. And this was the best part about it. Actually, I texted him. I just set fire to my car on the inside. His first question, was this your first car fire? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Like you, assuming. You are literally playing with fire several times a day. And it was within minutes, Evan had had his service department look up the part, tell me how much the part was, what the service is. And he's like, you know what? We can help you with like the Chevy dealer that you deal with. Tell them this is the cost of the part so that they don't screw you over. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can tell yeah. them and this is how much the labor should cost. This is how long it should take. So turns out it's not as big of a deal as I was worried about it because usually parts, every part in a car is like 1500 hours. It's not, but it just shows again, community cars is like a relationship. You buy a car from them and they're there to take care of you. Even if you set fire to your own car, even if you are a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> very fair. Look, very fair. The, the cliffhanger on this is the malfunctioning lighter during fire season in LA yeah. just yeah. got tossed out the door. Was it still lit when yes. you threw it out the window? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I threw a butane bomb outside <laughs> of my car. Yeah. I, Ward, I, I don't know what else I could do with it. I had a book that I was, that I had with me in my passenger seat. I thought about using the book and then I was like, no, you can't use kindling to stop a fire. That's not, not going to help. Not so I had nothing but my hand, and I just I had to toss the lighter. I mean, I had to toss the lighter. It melted through the cap of the lighter, the little metal cap on the lighter, totally molten, the key molten. I mean, just a total disaster, but could have been worse. Could have been worse. I, the car could have exploded. I mean, it could <laughs> yeah. have been worse. Yeah, it's you got to you got to remember gratitude in times like these. I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad I'm not visiting you in the burn unit on your birthday. Um, and you know, you were you were alive and well to watch Indiana football. Yes, but I want to say one more thing about a gift that Holly gave me. Okay, are you familiar with a device called the Banana Loca? I want to be the banana loca is a device that I saw on shark tank and right. I freaked out for it. Do you like a banana? You love a banana. I have a banana virtually every day. 
let me ask you this question. Do you like peanut butter? Love peanut butter. I also have that virtually every day. Both of these items usually end up in my smoothie. Do you like Nutella? Oh, yeah. Of course I do. That was in my smoothie three days ago. Ward, I'm a, you got to come over for the banana loca. The Tell banana me. loca is a contraption okay. where you, you cut the end of a banana off so that it's flat. Yeah. You insert about a six-inch tube uh-huh. into the banana loca, okay. put it into the banana, you twist it, and then you pull it out, and it pulls out a cylinder of banana from the middle of the banana. I'm with you. You then put it on the end of the banana loca device, the banana. You then fill the hole with Nutella or peanut butter or whatever you want. Sure. And then there is a lever that you push down, and it fills the banana with your choice of condiment. <laughs> so you have a peanut butter or Nutella-filled banana, both of which I did. And my girlfriend, Holly, I'm going to give her credit. We went to the grocery store to get bananas for the banana loca. I thought I had Nutella at home. I didn't. She ran out by herself and got Nutella to bring it back. I ate a peanut butter-filled banana and a Nutella-filled banana. It is glorious. It is glorious. What is the over-under you ever use this thing after one month from today? <laughs> I think one month is maybe a being a bit too <laughs> liberal without long. I, I wanted to make it, you know, realistic. If I'm over in three weeks, you might bust it out. But uh, look... It's the time of year, your birthday, to indulge on such fancies. I actually think my big birthday present, you would have liked uh, as much or more than I did. Now, you've already been to the Oscars Museum, the Academy of Motion Pictures Museum. I had not, so my wife and daughter took me there. It was wonderful. I love seeing, especially like, oh, that's a C-3PO and R2-D2 costumes that were actually worn on set. Edward Scissorhands, stuff from Terminator 2, so much cool stuff. But when you visited, what was not on display, but was when I visited, was one hell of a Godfather exhibit. It was special. Now, that picture you sent me of the Don's office, Holly was telling me that that used to be, that she thought Coppola had that at his winery. Did it say that that's where they got it from? Did it not? Did I didn't see that. I, I wasn't, uh, I think I read all the fine print, but they had it kind of here and there. And, it you know, it was all sort of dark and moody, like the movie itself. The, the one thing, and anybody who's seen the Barbie movie can appreciate this, is that my wife has not seen The Godfather. And we've all had that reaction of like, what? Um, and so she's going through and like my daughter sees, I didn't, I don't think I sent you the picture of this, the horse's head. What? Yeah. Yeah. Now, it wasn't because on the actual movie, right? They went to a butcher. Yeah, they got, got a real, an actual horse. By the way, head. an illegal butcher. <laughs> well, they said they said that it was done as, um, I guess, politically correct as they could have in the early 70s. Okay. That, that it was a horse that was already chopped up and they just sure. grabbed the head on the way. Um, but they, they had whatever they were using for the tests, the screen tests and all that kind of stuff. It was used 
in the the pre-production of the film really f- weirded out my daughter but like they're showing hey spoiler alert uh you know sunny getting shot up and stuff like that and i'm having to tell uh annie and bolt don't don't, don't look just look at the costumes because yeah. they've got like michael's clothes they've got everybody's clothes um they've got the cameras they they shot it on or at least they were like this is the exact same kind of camera and lenses they use i'm not sure it was from the actual set but you know for you just to get down there just just to hit that exhibit again i think would be well worth oh i have to i was so jealous when you when i found out you were going and i told your wife that i thought they had a godfather exhibit going on there so i gotta get down for that it's sensational uh i'm definitely gonna do it um before we talk about iu football I want to rewind to the fantasy camp again and the fantasy weekend again, because we got a couple more messages from people kind of sharing their Indiana basketball story and what that weekend meant to them. One of which I sent to you, but this one I did not. And I'd like to read it. If you would indulge me, are you going to, are you going to try to make me cry again? We'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. Um, I want to share my Indiana basketball story with you guys. I don't really talk about it much, but as a little boy from the ages of five to 12, I was severely abused by my stepmother. The only thing I had in my life at that time that brought me any joy was playing basketball and sports in general in, of all places, Lafayette, Indiana. My father could never see the abuse because he was at work. And because I was a timid boy, I could never tell him what was going on. My brother was too afraid as well. But on Saturday mornings when my stepmother was gone, that was our time to sit and watch IU basketball with my father. And that's where I fell in love with it because it's the only thing that my father and I had in common was our love for IU basketball. Many years later, I shared this story with my wife and she couldn't believe the things that happened to me as a little boy that I survived and endured. But basketball was my way to get away from that lifestyle. And it was my love of Steve Alford and eventually Damon Bailey that allowed me to dream about something bigger than living in Lafayette, Indiana, getting beat up by an awful person. So when I tell you how much that weekend meant to me, I just had to share that with you and Ward because of listening to the Andy story and how much it meant for me to be a part of it. Uh, Sorry, how much it meant for me to be a part of a basketball weekend for IU. I mean, it is so much more than basketball. It is it is so much more than basketball. Um, I don't think I want to say his name, but but he was a guy who was around for the entire weekend and first time that he's been able to be around for the entire weekend. So, uh, yeah. Any thoughts there, Ward? My mom, she listens sometimes. She loves it. She supports. uh, She kind of binges, but she 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 hadn't caught the last couple episodes and it was basically the conversation I had with her, not just about Andy, um, you know, a couple other people we've heard from and and even not in, in necessarily the sad or tragic anecdotes we get or stories. It's it's even bigger than that. And just while, you know, sports in, in my life is, is is two teams, essentially three if the Pacers are good. Um, that, that I couldn't dedicate more than the time it took to watch those games. If, if it didn't mean a lot more than basketball, I just, you know, I feel like life is so short, especially with the ones we love 
that um, none of it has meaning. Uh, the Indiana Hoosiers, the Indianapolis Colts, those all have meaning because it started with my family and then expanded to my friends and now with you and now with so many people. Yeah, a community expanded to a community, right? It's it's um, it is a wonderful, fun, sometimes painful way to get us all together and to care about each other. And, um, you know, it's it's horrible that anybody has to go through that. And it's miraculous that something like Indiana basketball can get them through it to the other side. And then to come to a weekend like that, where it is all about the joy and the love and the fun and the passion. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing. Thank, thank you to that gentleman. I presume it was for sharing. Um, and yeah, as long as, as long as people keep getting out of it, I think what we get out of it, we'll keep doing it. Absolutely. We also received an incredible email from, and I, I don't, I didn't ask him if I could share all the stories, so I'm not going to, but a gentleman that was with Perry, who we talked about on our, on our podcast, Perry was this kid that was in line for the fan fest and then came so close to hitting two half court shots uh, during that. I mean, they, his form was good. Like everything was good and the whole place was pulling for him. But the reason I want to just bring up something, I, I would just want to bring up some of it was, this is what he said. The event was incredible. The players were so gracious with their time. And in the second autograph session, so many of the players told Perry he had a nice looking shot and how close he was. X is his favorite player. And he picked him to come out and shoot the half court shot. Perry wanted to say bye to him and thank him and thank him for picking it. The line was closed at the time, but one of the staff saw him, recognized him and grabbed a seat and let Perry sit with X until he was finished with all the signings. I don't think X truly grasped what that meant to Perry. The picture of Perry and X is Perry's lock screen and the background before we left the parking lot. Hmm. We go to Indy quite frequently. Uh, hold on. Uh, Perry always wears something IU and gives anyone who doesn't have IU on their name tag crap, especially if they went to the school we all hate. He loves to tell his neighbor who went there that it's actually called Turdu, which I am, if if that is what I've put out into the world in my lasting legacy, I will be forever grateful for that. Um, I hope you guys can keep this event going. It's our first time attending and we loved everything about it. Um, just my boss, who's a Michigan State graduate, said to me several times that the players were amazing, the staff, they were making it hard to root against us. Um, it, that's what it is. I mean, that's what Indiana basketball can be. That's what this community is at its absolute best. And I'm glad we're just very small part of it. And, and if we can make little moments like that happen, and we know so many of them happen that we never hear about, but it makes it all worth it. Um, that's All what right. it is, you know, because we talk about the players and how engaged they are. Um, but even that the staff, I'm assuming it's somebody from pro camps, saw Perry and an ex plunked him there right next to him. That it, it that weekend takes, I don't know, a hundred solid people pulling in the same direction. And then you have a few thousand show up who are all there uh, to have a good time. And um, if if you haven't been able to make it yet, really really hope you can come out and make some of your own memories with all of these wonderful people next year all right pivot to iu football 
I'm going to start with the conversation that I know you don't like, but I want you to at least play the part of being the devil's advocate here. No problem. If Tom Allen's plan, which he said after the game, was to play both quarterbacks and split the time. Yes. Then what is the virtue of not saying that before the game? Because before the game, if you don't say who the starter is, what you're hoping is that the other team wastes energy preparing for both, because that's what you would have to do. Then you play both, and they had to prepare for both. So why not say it and spare your program the derision that might come with, I'm not even talking about the kicker stuff, which was an absolute joke, but what is the virtue of it? Just come out and say, we're playing both quarterbacks or do what I suggested last week and lie. So we've, we've actually got a third stringer. Nobody has tape on. Yeah. Dexter Williams actually is going to be activated. He's going to (laughs) play. But Ward, what is the virtue of keeping it secret? What is the possible virtue of it? Ah, I, you know, I said no problem playing devil's advocate, but I cannot think of one good reason strategically or even from a PR standpoint that you would do that. In fact, it goes the opposite way. It welcomes bad PR because when you play that trick and then you score three points and your offense looks like dog shit, everybody goes that's what you were keeping a secret? Like, what what rabbit did you pull out of a hat? What trick did you employ during the game because of this great mystery that you created? Nothing. Just be normal. Just don't welcome any more derision than is going to come from having an offense who I think completed, like, eight passes in the game? Eight? Maybe? Yeah. Let's, let's move on from this because okay. I just... I, it, it, either way, it doesn't interest me. It's like what what happens out on the field, uh, and and the interest I had in that was uh, look the defense definitely held up. I mean, I thought Marvin Harrison Jr. was going to get three hundred yards and five touchdowns. Um, so there were encouraging signs there. There was, I think, just sort of good timing on some of the calls, like some of the blitzes and stuff like that. And the execution, obviously not always there, but sometimes was. And and I really don't think you can, you can be too upset with the way the defense performed, put in bad positions, like at the end of the first half like that. But um, you look on the other side and I'm like, damn it. They're doing it again. IU and my Colts, are doing the same thing again. They've got two, instead of one young untested quarterback, they've got two, and I'm just going to have to spend this season being patient and looking for the potential, the growth, uh, what the ceiling might be. Never mind that Dexter might show up later in the season and we'll have that to contend with too, but like it or not, um, we're, we're dealing with a team that isn't, isn't going to be a real threat this season um, to the heavy duty opponents in this, the last year of the division. So in some ways that's liberating. Like, let me look for the play, the series, the decision, the call, the strategy, the style. Yeah. Let's, let's, 
st- well, and you what, know, what, look. what did you see on that from an offensive standpoint? <laughs> I mean, and look, some of it isn't fair, right? Because it's Ohio State, and they are just clearly better than us at virtually every position in the starting lineups for for each team, and then three, four deep. You know, their their second position in many cases two on the depth chart is better than our one virtually across the board. So I get that. I wasn't expecting to really compete. The offense was just so boring. And I do want to say this. I don't think the Dexter Williams thing is something to contend with. I think that what is clear is Tom Allen after the game said, we were always going to give Brent Sorsby the start in this game. And then they both play. And then next game, Taven Jackson's getting the start and they're both going to play. And then Week three or week four, Dexter Williams is the starting quarterback of this team, period. He will be the starting quarterback unless he can't be because of injury. But the way he looked, just like walking around, and all the reports are that this guy is ready to go, and they're just being cautious now. But he's the starting quarterback, and it's almost not fair, I think, to really judge anything until he's the starting quarterback who has you know half a year of experience under his belt and had some dynamic ability. And let's just see what the offense looks like when he gets in there, does that just prevent, you know, uh, does does the dynamic ability of Dexter Williams create more space for Jalen Lucas, who just couldn't get out in space except for kick returns that we would then have penalties on that would bring back? Yeah, yeah, that was frustrating. Uh, sending him up the middle uh, was not effective. Uh, and look, you've got you've got these games before Dexter comes back to see what you have behind him what the future is there. Um, you know, when, when you're not passing it and, and you can't really impose your will at the line uh, in the running game there, you don't learn much about the offense. Um, so, so to your point, I think we're going to kind of tread water here. Maybe, you know, you, you saw. Um, you Just saw... better not get tripped up by like an Indiana state or an or Akron. Like if you lose one of those games, because, the offense is just drek, then like you're in real bad shape. I mean, they just can't afford to lose any game that they should win or have a chance to win. That's the truth. They can't. How afford many to. do they? How many do they have till the next Big Ten opponent? Two or three? Two, three. Or well, we have in, no three because we play Indiana State, Louisville, and Akron before Louisville. the Big Ten. Okay, is Louisville any good? Well, I mean, look, it's the Purdue coach who left and took over. And so I think the, the thought is they are much better than us. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean. I, and by I the think... way, I think that series is going to go away. Like that series was signed a long time ago or several years ago, and it starts this year and it continues next year. I don't think there's any chance Indiana plays in that game. They're going to buy it out because the, the, the name of the game for a program like Indiana is you get however many number of non-conference games you get, you better schedule games you can win period. You have to get three wins in the non-conference and then hope you get three wins in the conference and win six and go to bowl games. That's it. Scheduling Louisville. And and I think, you know, like five years from now, scheduling Notre Dame is a giant mistake for the Indiana university football program. We aren't that program. We are not the program that can schedule those games. Hopefully someday we will be, but it's not going to be anytime in the next few years. And I do hope to see, just growth, right? Just just growth this season. And I'm look looking at the somebody did a map over the weekend of of basically how on the West Division 
of the Big Ten, how it has to kind of loop out to snag Purdue to keep them over on that side away from Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State. And we got we got really screwed over the last however many years. No doubt. Through that arbitrary line through the state of Indiana. Uh, let's get through this year. Let's let's see some growth. Let's let's make sure it was better than last year and the year before that, and that we have quarterbacks that we can really build a program around that that guys will want to transfer in to play with. Yeah. I think the defense we could feel like that could be a a solid Big Ten defense in time uh, if this keeps going. But I really do think it's almost like free agency now. Well, who's going to be passing me the ball? Who am I going to be protecting? just being able to get through this season and be like next year, this guy, assuming it's Dexter is the guy and the the potential he was starting to flash becomes consistent towards the end of this season. Those are the positives I'm looking for. And it, again, it really, except for these, these early games that we should win, it takes the pressure off the end result and makes it more about the process. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I also think, look, again, we've talked about this. I'm not a guy who can watch an entire football game and pick out like the things that I could in a basketball game just because it was not my sport. I just love it as a fan, but not as a student. And I never played the sport, so it's more difficult to know the inner workings. Well, and there's 22 guys running around on every play. Unless you're getting the all 22 and, like, reviewing the tape. I mean, let's face it. Most of us are, like, watching the ball in the air, and, like, maybe you can tell if the line is getting some push one way or another. Well, that's what I was going to say. Not about push, but it didn't feel like our quarterbacks were constantly under, like, what it was last year. Yes. It felt like the offensive line was much better. It it felt like the run game didn't show it, but the pass protection did show it. I thought they had time. We just didn't take shots. So I was encouraged by that, but it did bring me to the biggest story in college football, which is Deion Sanders and Colorado. (laughs) You love some primetime. Oh, I do. I love everything about him. I do. I love how he promotes his program. I love how he uses his platform to promote his players. I love how he breaks every rule. And Ward, it goes to the argument of how long does it take to turn around a program? We are in the age where it does not take long. And the the conventional wisdom had always been, it takes a lot longer in football because there's 22 guys out there, you know, that, and then special teams, that's not even counting special teams. So you just, it takes longer to bring in those guys. This guy brought in, only 10 returning scholarship players brought in 58 transfers and they beat a team that was in the national runner up, the national runner up from last year. If you get the right guy and clearly time will tell us overall, but he has the biggest win in Colorado in like 20 years. I mean, the biggest win. Now uh, I agree with everything you just said, but we also have to say there are not many Deion Sanders out there. There are not many guys who are one of the all-time great football players who became uh, famous to a whole new generation because he's such a dynamic personality on television. Like, Colorado nailed that one. There's not another Dion waiting in the wings, but there are there are guys out there who are not Deion Sanders who've showed up and in season one, it's obvious there's there's a program headed in the right direction. And also what I think it shows, Ward, is take a freaking risk. Take a risk. 
don't recycle the Jerry Donardos. Don't recycle the, you know, I heard people talking even about like Les Miles who had some success at one place and then less success and then less success. D take a chance. Don't recycle the same good old boys that just keep failing sideways and down. And then everybody's shocked when they're unable to turn around a program. Be bold and take a risk. Because even if you fail in the risk, especially if you're a program like Indiana, even if you fail, what's what are the stakes? You suck anyway. So just take the risk if it doesn't work. And look, I want Tom Allen to work out. I do. But if it's clear it's not going to work, you better take a risk on the next one. And I'm not saying the risk is like, you're not going to sign Urban Meyer. Like that's, I'm not in that world. But But go get the best guy like no matter what level he's at no matter how non-conventional he is no matter what his personality is take a risk it's, take a risk you have the same mentality which i agree with on quarterbacks in the nfl like you you just it it's all about that guy yes in, in the nfl obviously you need a good in this day and age offensive-minded head coach but you need an absolute stud quarterback to have any chance in the playoffs and in college football, you need a dude as the head coach that no matter where he is, no matter who he's playing against, he's winning. And I'm only one episode into Swamp Kings. And obviously there was some trepidation in season one with Urban Meyer before before he gets Tebow to commit. But, you know, there he was doing really well at Utah. Yeah. Um, and and though he was like the hot coaching candidate that Florida got. Um, it was one of those ones where it's like, well, is he the guy or not? Nobody's really sure after season one, but by season two, you're sure. Because and like it was a big risk then. Utah yeah. guy, what does he know about the SEC? Spread offense? What is that? That's not going to work in the SEC. Exactly. Take a risk. And if it doesn't work out with Tom, and I hope it does because no one loves Indiana football and is more passionate and has more pride in it than Tom Allen in the history of the world outside of maybe Bill Mallory. Like you want it to work, but if it doesn't, you better take a risk and be bold with the hire. Uh, Colorado is reaping the benefits of a giant risk and they are so much fun to watch. They are just so much fun. I do wonder how quickly Dion might move on if they continue to be such a success story. But even then they've established this is a place you can win to another upcoming coach that might not be ready for the SEC or or even uh, one of the top jobs at the other conferences. But, you know, yeah, hey, it's a great town, Boulder. Come here and win. And if we have to be your stepping stone to, you know, the next huge SEC job, well, that's still a step in the right direction for a program like Colorado. Though I got to say, I mean, look, when you and I were kids, Colorado was one of those teams. Eric Colorado was a team. Yeah, they competed for national championships. Cordell Stewart, Michael Westbrook. Like they've had 20 years in the wilderness, you know, I mean, not dissimilar from Indiana basketball. Truthfully, totally. Um, totally. we've had a little more success than than them. They, they've been really awful, but they've got great facilities. They've got great support. They've clearly got the money to go out and do what they need to do. They may be the team that can be back at that level. Weed is legal there. Weed is legal. There you go. And the, the great thing about Dion that I love, as I was just having this conversation this morning, he is the perfect balance of the new school. He embraces social media. He, he promotes his players. He's pro NIL. He lets these guys be themselves, theme music, walkouts, all that. Like they put it all out there. And 
He's really old school. No hoodies in meetings. You know, like he gets after guys. He calls them out. He holds them accountable and shows that kids respond to that as long as they know you care about them and you've got their back. And, and look, there are more parallels with with Indiana basketball because Coach Woodson yeah. celebrated decades in the NBA, comes back. He has this warmth, this humor, this ball busting that really is endearing and is is his way of saying, I love you. But then hello also stick a, a boot up your ass and say get 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 after it. You, we're professionals here. We're bringing a professional mentality to this program, and I think hey, it's working in Colorado. It's working in Bloomington. Okay, I think uh, athletic directors have a real template here of success with with professional guys coming to the college ranks and bringing all that knowledge and 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 the new mindset with them. Yeah, I mean, look, in the end, it is about still finding the right guy because there's been a lot of examples of former pros who have just totally fizzled out, especially in basketball. I mean, look at Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing is one of the greatest players ever, and he was a disaster in Georgetown. You know, I mean, well, the, the book is still out on Juwan. Yeah. You know, at Michigan, a mm -hmm. couple good years to start, leftovers from the Beeline program. Now he's had to recruit on his own, doesn't have the leftover structure from that program, and he's struggling. We'll see what they do this year. But let's talk about women's basketball. Well, I mean, we're going to be talking a lot about that over the course of this episode, aren't we? We are. Oh, you know what? Before we get to that, I got to talk about the other highlight of my absolute weekend and one of the highlights of the summer. On Saturday, while you were in Joshua Tree, yeah, I got to take my three kids down to Long Beach where the Indiana women's volleyball team was playing in a tournament with some awesome volleyball teams. I mean, UCLA, Long Beach State, Washington. I think all three of them have won national championships in the game of, of volleyball. Those are volleyball and schools. They are. And I got to talk to Coach Steve Aird, who you know we've talked about many times. We love him. I mean, we just love his personality, his passion. He's, He's a force funny. of nature. He is an absolute whirling dervish, and I love it. And he told me, he's like, look, I think we're going to be better than we have been in a long time, and I wanted to have an early season measuring stick against really good teams, not in our conference, not anywhere near our region. Let's go out and see where we're at. And they lost the three games, but they competed in all of them. Like they won a, in the first two, they won games. Uh, I don't know if they call it sets or games. Sets. Sets. They won a couple sets, the first two. The third one that we were at against Washington, they just were in every game. Like it's just, we, were, we lost by like two points each time. And they were fun to watch. They don't give up. It was super fun to be there. The the um, venue is called the Pyramid down at Long Beach State, and it is a pyramid. It is okay. impressive. You you go into it, and you look straight up, and it is goes on forever. But my kids had a blast. We were able to hang out with the team a little bit afterwards, and we got to hang with the parents and the family. There was a good turnout from Indiana fans at Long Beach State. It was awesome. We were the loudest for sure. And uh, this is a team of young women that are so humble and grateful for any attention that they get, any support that they get. Coach Air told me that they have a sign in their locker room uh, that I think says, I may be paraphrasing, but it's basically entitled to nothing, grateful for everything. Mm -hmm. And that is the program. That is how, and every one of them, like shook my kids' hands, you know, talked to them, asked questions, engaged, look me in the eye, 
it it was awesome, Ward. It was it made me feel good to be a Hoosier. I love this women's volleyball program. They took a huge step forward last year with huge wins, like against Ohio State, who was a top team in the country. The volleyball in the Big Ten is the best in the country. It is an unbelievable um, conference. Like he was telling me that when UCLA and USC and Oregon and Washington enter the conference, mm-hmm. he's like, it would be very possible to be 10th in the conference and 21st in the country. <laughs> well, that's and how look, it, it is. Uh, it's another great reason that the, the big 20 conference we are now in um, has an appeal to recruits. And look, even just this trip out, that's something he can talk to recruits about in Bloomington. And obviously heading out West is going to be a more common thing in the coming seasons. And that's going to have a real appeal to recruits. Um, It had a real appeal to me. I just wanted to go. It would have been fun to take the kids, but what made it painful that I could not attend was my two children who up until last week had expressed exactly zero interest in any kind of sports First, my son kind of was like, you know, I think I want to like get back into those tennis lessons you had us try uh, over the last summer. I was like, what? And I just got a a tennis racket from my buddy Thaddeus when I was back there. I'm going to get back into it. I'm like, well, that's amazing, buddy. Yeah, okay, for sure. And then twice as shocking was my 13-year-old daughter. Zero interest in organized sports. Her entire 13 years was like, you know what, dad? I really want to get into volleyball. I was like, what? What? He was like, yeah, I just, I think it looks really fun. I, I want to get big out here too, Ward. Like I'm sure part of it is just, it's more part of the regular conversation than it was like when you and I were growing up in the Midwest. For sure. For sure. Though, though, shout out Peru, Peru Tigers. The ladies had an excellent volleyball team, also a really good basketball team. So a lot of the same players, but for her to say that to me, and then then this was 24 hours before I told you we couldn't go down to Long Beach because we would be out in the desert. I was like, oh, no, like she might be over it by next week. And if we'd gone yeah. to Long Beach, that could have really like, lift a fuse. The deal. Um, but yeah, I'm glad- I got to tell you, look, I'm going to say something that I'm sure is ridiculous. I played basketball. That was the only sport I played. But there were other sports that I would watch and be like. Look, if I decided that I wanted to be like a tight end early on in football, I think like I've got decent hands. I don't mind getting hit a little bit. Like, I think I could have done, I could have been a backup on the team. I could have focused on baseball and been like a catcher, you know, that that nobody expects to hit. Uh-huh. I could have swam. I could have played water polo. I watch volleyball. Water polo? Yeah, I'm a good swimmer. Oh, but that, that, oh, that is a brutal sport. Oh, it is a brutal sport. I God. love it. I love watching it in the Olympics. I love well, it. Watching it's fine. I cannot yeah. imagine doing that. Uh, it's th- a hard sport. Excruciating. But I watch volleyball and go, no way. There is no way I could have ever done that sport. It is so hard. Oh, they hit the ball so hard. They jump so high. They Their reactions are so quick. I, I I am I marvel at the skill of the the women's volleyball team. I am blown away by it. The athleticism that it takes, the jumping, the the quick reaction, the everybody has to work in synchronicity in a moment's notice, and then your plan gets 
totally blown up because the ball nicks the net and it changes everything. It is a phenomenal sport to watch. And and I marvel at the um, athleticism and ability of these players. I think it's super fun to watch. And in the times I have played, usually on the beach, that's really fun. And as a, as a tennis guy, yeah. all of those things you describe as a, as a guy who played doubles throughout high school, um, obviously not as many bodies to coordinate, uh, but that it's one I actually think that's one of the few sports that I think like, oh, you know, if I, I had really focused on that, not that I would have been able to jump very high and spike it over the net, but, you know, the, the digging, the setting, I, I dig and I'd set for other people to do the spiking, but I just think it, I, I understand it in a way because it's like, you know, it's a net sport like pickleball or ping pong. I feel pretty good about all of those, um, but at this point, at 45 years old, yeah, um, it's going to be what's fun to watch and what, for the love of, of Jehovah, will get my kids to get a little bit of exercise. Well, one other thing that I know is big in your family that may be a connection point to get your kids, at least your daughter, really excited about IU Volleyball, Seinfeld is a big deal in your household, right? Correct. Your daughter loves Seinfeld? Yes. The assistant coach for Indiana women's volleyball is Rachel Morris. Her father is a longtime actor, Phil Morris, who played Jackie Childs in Seinfeld. And he was there at the games and we got to meet him. And there's Jackie Childs. That's amazing. I think appeared in about half a dozen episodes of Seinfeld over the last few years of it, where he played like a Johnny Cochran type character. And there he was just rooting on Indiana. It was awesome. Oh man. You've made me twice as upset. We didn't attend, but uh, I mean, where is he based out of? Is he here? LA. Yeah, he's, I think he lives in Manhattan Beach. Oh man! Well, uh, and what? Uh, what? I'm sorry. The the remind me because I I was just so blown away that his uh, daughter is the assistant coach on the team. Her name is Rachel Morris. So hopefully Rachel will will be with the team for a while. You know when they're coming out here to play. USC I hope so. This USC. is only her second year on staff, so hopefully she'll be here for a few more years before hopefully she gets a crack at being a head coach. Yeah, but yeah, well, yeah. I, I mean, I we just, got Seinfeld. I need, I need her to be with the team when they come out one more time, so hopefully uh, all of us can meet Jackie. All right, and by the way, the other big story in college sports besides Deion Sanders a few days before that was the Nebraska women's volleyball game at the stadium where 90,000 people showed up. 92,000 people showing up for a volleyball game. And I told you, my buddy Tori, she was on the, the women's volleyball team in Peru. Her daughter, freshman in high school, number one recruit in the country in her class, has a Nebraska offer. And when you see that... I don't, I don't know how you don't just go ahead and commit. I don't care if you have four more years of high school to go. Just be like, okay, yeah, that place. I, I was not aware of this, but Michael Lewis had told me in his time in Lincoln when he was an assistant for Tim Miles that every game is sold out. Like every game in Nebraska, they get like 15, 16, 17,000 people. Every game. It is a big deal. I love it. And by the way, that 92,000 wasn't just the biggest – crowd ever for a volleyball game it's the biggest crowd in the history of women's sports period i mean it's incredible it is absolutely incredible and that leads perfectly into our guest today who is making her case as the goat of indiana women's basketball and 
uh, is part of, I think, this incredible rocket ship of popularity of many women's sports over the last five, 10 years. And we've certainly seen it in Indiana when five, 10 years ago, you could have gone to an Indiana women's basketball game and decided the morning of, and then probably sat on the bench. And now you've got games that they're getting 15, 16,000 people in. They're now selling season tickets for, and it's in large part, we know to Terry Morin, but Terry couldn't do it without the players that she has recruited. And especially the one that's been there now entering her fifth season. That is our guest today that we are so excited to have back on. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's, let's get to that part. Let's get to it, to it, to it, to it. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, she is back on the program. It's been a little while as we are just discussing. So everybody sit back, get comfortable. Eric, take a deep breath and catch the audience up on all the happenings and accolades for our guest today since last she visited with us. You know why it's been so long? Because she's been busy doing all the things I'm about to read. Here we go. I'm only going to read things that are new since the last time we talked to this young woman. She is, and she hails from Gorham, Maine. We need to get that out of the way. Hailing from Gorham, Maine, where just last season, she was a Big Ten Distinguished Scholar. She was Associated Press All-American First Team, USWBA All-American First Team, WBCA All-American First Team, Honda Sports Award Finalist for Women's Basketball, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, All-Big Ten First Team, Wooden Award Finalist and All-American, Naismith Trophy Semifinalist, Lisa Leslie Award Finalist, Wade Trophy Finalist, Big Ten Player of the Week four times, CSC Academic All-America First Team, Academic All-Big Ten. The year before that, WBC All-American Honorable Mention, All-Big Big Ten second team, Lisa Leslie Award top 10 watch list, Naismith Trophy midseason top 20, Wooden Award midseason top 25, Wade Trophy midseason watch list, Academic All Big Ten, Big Ten Player of the Week two times. She is third all-time in points in IU women's basketball history. She is second all-time in field goals made. She is first all-time in field goal percentage at 63.7%. By the way, number two is 48.9%. It's 15 percentage points behind. She is fourth all-time in points per game. She's third all-time in offensive rebounds, fourth all-time in defensive rebounds, fifth all-time in total rebounds, first all-time in blocks with 193, second is 60 behind her, 60. She is eighth all-time in minutes played, and she is first all-time in maybe the most important stat that wasn't always tabulated, but in win shares, meaning the number of wins that she is responsible for first all time, which we know is all that this young woman cares about is team winning. She led Indiana last year, along with Grace Berger and the group to a 28 and four record. They beat the number two team, the number five team, the number six team, the number nine team, the number 12 team, number 13 team, number 14 team, number 21st team. They are the big 10 outright defending champions. They earned the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. They are simply the best Indiana women's basketball team that we have ever seen. And Ward, we are talking to the GOAT of Indiana women's basketball. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Mackenzie Holmes. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Have you heard all of that at one time like I just read it? 
I I don't think so. I don't think I've heard. I've heard like you know bits and pieces of different different accolades and all of that. But I think that's the first time I've heard them all. In I'm one, sweating. I'm sweating. Well, yeah. I literally you worked up a great. sweat. I don't. You didn't skip a beat the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> is there one thing that? And again, that's just the last two years, and I'm sure I missed many. But is there one thing that stands out to you as that you are most proud of in the last couple of years? Um, so obviously outright big 10 champions. Um, that was a, always a goal since I've stepped foot on campus. So to be able to have done that is very surreal to me. Um, yes. personally, I take a lot of pride in that field goal percentage. Um, I think, you know, being consistent and being productive has always been something that I've tried to do. Oh, I will say that Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year was huge for me just because, um, you know, I we joke about it, but my freshman year, if I would have known that I was going to be Defensive Player of the Year by the time I was a senior, I probably would have fainted just because <laughs> there were times my freshman year when I would get pulled simply because I couldn't guard anybody and I couldn't play defense. And um, there were games I didn't see the floor as much just because my defense really lacked Um and I knew that. So it was always a point of emphasis for me each season. So um, that was that was another special one to me just because of, you know, just the way that uh, my the staff and my team has pushed me to just be, become more developed as a defensive threat. Awesome. I wonder, just to get specific for a second, besides effort and focus, what do you think were the keys for you to make such a phenomenal leap on that end of the floor? Um, I think just, you know, utilizing my length, you know, I have, I have long arms. So understanding that I have the ability to block shots and um, be disruptive, you know, be a rim protector for us. I, I took that role seriously. And then just, you know, we have, you know, you guys know we hang our hats on the defensive end. So um, just really being locked into our rotations, being able to be in the right spots, um, you know, just taking, taking all those things super seriously when we practice them in the preseason. Well, and, and just in case anybody missed it, the extreme to which you take rim protection seriously was on display at the youth camp last Sunday <laughs> when some like six-year-old girl was trying to get up a shot and you sent the ball into the bleachers. Uh, maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes you can let let off the gas a little bit. <laughs> oh, no, you have to teach them young. You have to teach them young. <laughs> um. I want to talk so much about this offseason and this summer because it was a momentous one for the IU women's basketball program. But since Ward brought it up, I do want to talk about that weekend. Ward and I always talk about how that event specifically really is the best way for us to end that weekend because mm -hmm. we just get to see 100-plus kids smiling ear to ear. And, and we have seen it over the last few years grow in terms of how much the kids are worshiping you guys, because as your stature has grown truthfully within the world of college basketball, I think so has the appreciation of you guys doing that camp. Can you just talk about what that camp means to you and your teammates and, and, and how you experience it? Yeah. Anytime we get to have the opportunity to give back to those, you know, those kids that, are constantly coming to watch us play and are looking up to us. It's a, it's a great privilege to have that opportunity to be able to not only give back, but for them to be able to, 
to meet and interact and, you know, even get to play with and against um, these people that they look up to. And I just know that I was in their shoes at one point, you know, there were a bunch of players that I used to look up to and things like that would mean the world to me. Just, you know, anyone taking a second just to say hi to one of the campers, you know, you can just see how much it means to them and the parents. So um, it's just kind of our way of showing our appreciation um, to the fans and hope that they continue to come watch us play. One thing I thought about, which I hadn't in the previous couple of years of the youth camp, was just seeing even the interaction between you and your teammates and some of the new teammates with freshmen or transfers. Is a weekend like that good for team chemistry, even though it's so different from your normal routine of of playing together? Yeah, I mean, you can get to it helps the freshmen also kind of see what our fans are like because in the summer you don't get to see that as much. Um, and I think they got a taste of that at the fan fest as well. When we were signing autographs, just seeing how, how loyal and how true our fans are and um, you know, how much the little kids look up to us uh, in those type of um, in those type of scenarios, like the camps and the fan fest, they just, you can just tell how much they love of us and I think the for the freshmen and the transfers to get a chance to see that firsthand is really special. Well, Ward and I talked about this uh on last week's show, but we go out and welcome everybody. We shake everybody's hand as they're waiting in line to get in for the autograph sessions. And as you said, this was the first time that the women's players were part of the autograph sessions before and after. There were two people that were the most requested people asking us, where's this person? Where are they sitting? I want to go get their autograph too. It was Mackenzie Holmes and Trey Galloway. Those were the two. <laughs> it was like, and it was such a cool thing because, you know, Mac, you and I have talked about this both off camera and, and I think on when Ward and I went to school at Indiana in the late nineties, women's basketball just was not a thing at Indiana. They right. played, but it wasn't popular. And to see the unbelievable growth of Indiana women's basketball, really, you know, you can draw a straight line from Terry Morin coming to town. And, and then right. obviously what, what you and Grace and Allie Patberg and so many Brianna wise and so many before, but that era, it is remarkable and it is so much fun. And you are now the big men on campus too. And, uh, it's it's just got to be so satisfying for you in your four years and now going into your fifth to see that growth. What, do, are you able to get perspective on just what you have seen in your time there? Yeah, I think it's just like a testament to what Coach Morin said this program was going to be when I was a junior in high school. She had a vision um, and she had a staff that also believed in the same vision and a bunch of girls that believed in the vision, you know, Ali Patberg, you said Brenna Wise, all those people that recruited me to come to IU had believed so strongly in this vision. And um, I knew that I wanted to be a part of it and, you know, not only meet the vision, but exceed it. And I think that, you know, we just continue to, you know, enter into this uncharted territory and it's, it's just, it's really special. And I think it's just gives us that fire to just keep continuing to see what we can do next. And I just think it just shows, you know, the belief that coach has in the players and the coaches that she bring in um, to play under her. I will say, I think part of the reason that you and Trey, besides productivity, are the reason that everybody was so excited to find you guys. We've got to watch both of you develop. You know, from somebody who's getting benched because she couldn't play D or or Trey shooting less than 20% from outside the three-point line, 
it's it is getting to be a more rare thing to see players develop from freshmen up to seniors and i think everybody just loves somebody who's put that much time blood sweat and tears into the program and and in both cases been responsible for really helping turn the programs around and we all know coaches can't do much without a great coach but those coaches are so dependent on senior leadership and i just wonder as you're you're going into this year and and this can kind of take us back into the summer new players coming in other players leaving what does it feel like to really look you've been a leader on the team for a while but now now it's it's your jam it's your jam are are you acting differently speaking differently growing into that role yeah i think you know it's been able to kind of happen naturally for me just following in the footsteps of those were who were ahead of me like i had to, i got to see how ali patberg led for 3 years and grace berger and brenna wise so to have all those people to kind of look up to as I'm coming into you know being a senior and a fifth year um so I feel like I have just matured and I've grown since being here which is something that's really special too is I'm not only grown as a player but I feel like I've really grown as a person um I've gained confidence I've you know really really expanded um myself as a person so I think that that's also something that's that's really special so it's given me the confidence and um the belief in myself to be that leader for the team, which I think can only come with time. But um, I've been really thankful for that as well. We're going to jump a little bit uh, a timeline here because I, I think it's part and parcel of what you were just talking about. I, I think one of, if somebody asked me to list the five most painful losses in Indiana basketball history, the Miami loss was a, was is up there. Um, because of what we know this team was and what they were capable of. Um, And I think also because we knew it was Grace's last game. And I think that had Grace been coming back for one more year, I think it would have taken some of the sting off. Mm -hmm. But it was the end of an era. You have not played a game of Indiana basketball where Grace Berger was not on the team. And I know how close you guys were. How difficult was it to and maybe you're not yet, but how difficult was it to just get over the finality of how the season ended? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's ever really getting over it, but just kind of moving forward and realizing that um, Grace wore shoes that can't be filled. And and we understand that, but just knowing that, you know, we have so many other girls on that team that were in that, were in that loss. So we all know how it felt and, how horrible it was. So knowing that we never want to get ourselves to that point again, I think we all took that loss really, really hard for a lot of reasons, but I think ultimately it will help, help move us forward. And, um, you know, next year, obviously to get out of that round of 32 and, you know, do it for grace, do it because I, we know that she believes in us. Um, and, you know, I think it helped seeing, you know, grace on draft night, get drafted to the fever. I think that helps, you know, just kind of like she deserves the world. So like just to see that happen for her just meant everything to us. You know, we watched as a team. So just seeing that for her meant a lot because um, she deserves that. She deserved obviously a final four too, but um, you know, just using that as motivation moving forward, I think is the biggest thing for us, even if we can't, you know, fully grasp getting over it. (laughs) Now she's, She's put up some nice stat lines lately. Have you been able to get up there to see her or catch any games on TV? 
Yeah, I've been to two games. I think I'm going to try to go next Sunday as well. Um, you know, I watch on TV too, but it's just super cool. Um, it's weird. I think, you know, it's strange seeing her in a different uniform, still wearing Indiana across her chest, of course, but just playing in a whole different, a whole different level um, is really cool, but also really strange because obviously I've never, I've never played without Grace Um at my time here at IU, but I'm, I'm just super happy for her. And I just know that she's too good and too hard of a worker to stay off the court. So um, I think that, you know, everything that, you know, her, her stat lines are not surprising to me. I think they're just going to continue to get better. You know, the longer she's in the league. Is there, uh, I was just going to say real quick on that. We know you're so focused one day, one practice, one shot, one block at a time this season. It, do you ever let yourself drift off into where you might be after you leave IU when you you're seeing Grace get drafted or you're seeing her out on the court for the fever? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to think about it. But, um, you know, I've been at my time here in IU. If it's taught me, taught me anything, it's taught me that, you know, anything can happen. You know, COVID injury, all, all of the above has happened to me here. Um, so I just, I don't want to, you know, take a moment for granted here and just try to, you know, stay healthy and continue to do what I can to, you know, um, get to a final four with this team. So though I do think about it, it's just, it's kind of in the the back of my mind right now. All right. So let's talk about this off season because it is a, a momentous one for many reasons, obviously grace leaving and, and, and other players leaving as well that were friends of yours and newcomers coming in and then Greece, you get to go to Greece. So I want to talk about Greece because for a program that is built on do the work, there was a whole hell of a lot of play going on in Greece too. And what I love about it is I think from the social media videos you, that were put out there, it just shows how close this culture and program are. And Terry, who is a ball busting, do the work coach also knows when to throttle back and let the team have fun. But can you just talk about Greece, both the play and the work that happened in there? Yeah, Greece was an unbelievable experience. Um, you know, we knew we had two games that, that we had to win going into it, but we knew it was also a great opportunity for um, travel and exploring, but not only that, but team bonding. And um, I thought it was, you know, not, the thing about our team is it's all, it's just easy to spend time with one another, whether we're on the bus or whether we're sightseeing at the pool, at the beach, whatever it might be, we always have a blast together. And I think it just gave us, you know, that opportunity to really spend that time with one another. And I'm glad, you know, that people were able to kind of see that on social media that, you know, it's just so natural for our team to joke around with each other, explore and um, just spend this amazing time with one another in a, in a different country is just incredible. I, it was an amazing experience. And, um, you know, we, I think 10 days is what we got after Greece. And I know that by the end of those 10 days, I was ready to get back and I was starting to miss the girls again, um, after spending almost, uh, nine or 10 weeks with each other, um, in the summer, we were, we were ready to get back and see each other and start the school year again. Did you get extra practices for those games? Yeah, not in Greece, but the week, 
leading up to it, we were able to practice every day. So that was that was good as well. So when, give us some of that. What are we what are we seeing on the court from this team? How's it different than last year? What are you wait, excited about? Wait, I just have to ask because I want to go to Greece so bad off the court. Was there a particular place or site that you guys went to that you were just like, this is my favorite, my favorite place in the world? The the Acropolis in Athens was really, really cool. Um, the last place we went, it was a little bit south of Athens. It was like a beach resort. It was so much fun. We got to go on a like a day-long day boat tour and we got to jet ski. Um, it was so much fun. Um, my favorite part personally was the food. Um, the food was incredible. Um, Were you a it, Greek food fan before? I was. And then I just, it blew my expectations out of the water. And um, I personally love olives. Um, and, you know, I was one of the few people there that liked olives in our program. So whenever there were olives at the table, they just got passed straight to me. So I appreciated yes. that part. Um, but yeah, all of it was just a great experience. You know, people talk about how beautiful Greece is, but it, it truly was incredible. Um, okay, I'm sorry, Eric. That was a great question you were getting into. It's the red meat. It's what the listeners want to know. Please set it up again. So, yeah, I mean, give us what your take is on on these, you know, the summer session and then these extra practices and then getting to go compete. What an advantage to be able to do that, especially when you have such a turnover and losing somebody like Grace. I can just imagine having extra practices with new pieces is is just incredible to 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 be able to kind of take the training wheels off a little bit this early what do you see from the team what do you like and uh how's it different yeah i mean um we played you know we don't have our practice squad in the summer so we played a lot of um like little mini games against each other and um, i think the competitive edge is definitely there you know you never have to question that with our team but we were super competitive with each other work super hard and i think it's just good to you know, that introduction stuff, like defensively or defensive principles or offensive principles, just the earlier we can start that with the newcomers, the better. So I think that being able to introduce that to them this early on will just make it so much better when we transition into full practices here in the fall. So I think it was just a, a great introduction for um, the newcomers. And, um, you know, all the newcomers are super competitive, too. They they're wanting to get better. They're in the gym um, as I expected them to be. So I think it's just um, a really good way to start the year by doing that. Mac, you know, when you were freshman to sophomore year, a lot was made about how hard you worked to get in the best shape of your life. Mm -hmm. And and obviously that is something that you took really seriously. And it's something you've continued to take seriously because I, I think you're in the best shape of your life right now. Um, Lily Meister was brought in to kind of be a protege for you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, who's going to kind of carry the torch and just kind of seeing Lily on the court at the youth camp, it looked like Lily got in incredible shape as well this year. How, what is the relationship like between you and Lily? And is it kind of, you know, like she's your apprentice? Like, do you, is it, is it like that on the court? Um, I just try to help Lily in any way I can. Um, but you know, she's, she's growing up right before my eyes. So I don't know how much she needs me anymore. Um, <laughs> but last year I tried my best just to, to keep her spirits up, you know, keep that confidence instilled in her. Cause she is really, um, a really, really hard worker and, you know, her game just can continue to develop. And, um, I think it's, it's just going to be fun to see how she grows in confidence over the next year, because I think that's something that, 
all freshmen lack and um, it's easy to get your confidence, you know, knocked a little bit when you're a freshman. So just to continue to see her growth um, is going to be really fun. When you got to Greece and you played against these two opponents who I would assume they left the games weeping, you're just <laughs> running out of the gym, getting out of there as fast as they can. Um, and, and, you know, not being able to watch those games, not really knowing the style of those teams. Is there something you could take away on the court from what you guys are doing on both ends that that's really like, oh, OK, we see how this is going to work against Iowa or other known opponents or was or were those teams just bringing a completely different style of play? Yeah, I mean, it's hard because we scored like 120 points both games so like if we could do that you know against Iowa that would be fantastic but you know it's it's hard to compare the two just because you know they're so different and obviously we're subbing differently throwing different lineups and trying new things so I think it's it's hard to compare the two but I think um you know the the foundation of what we do stayed the same playing fast hanging our hats on the defensive end you know making the extra pass getting the ball quickly up the floor all those things stayed the same so just to kind of you know give the freshmen um a feel for what that's going to be like i think was really good in a, in a game scenario there's a person on your team who i think is a little bit of the unsung hero because i mean obviously the stats that grace put up the stats that you put up are eye-popping and and this person depending on the game might score a lot might just get assists might just get steals and that's chloe moore mcneil who has been on the team for a long time as well and is now one of the veteran leaders. Can you just talk about what Chloe means to the team and how you've seen her growth over the last several years? Yeah, I mean, she's another one who has really just trusted the process. Um, you know, her freshman year, hardly played. And then um, each year, she's just continued to get better. And I think that's just a... a you know, a testament to her hard work, but also um, her commitment to the team and her willingness to just do whatever is asked of her. You know, she she might not score a point or she might score 15 to 20 points. It's just every night Chloe will show up and do what she needs to do, whether it's on the defensive end, offensive end, run the offense, um, be a threat from outside of the perimeter. And she's another one who's con whose confidence is just continuing to grow and she's continuing to, you know, be a vocal leader for us. So I think it's just really special um, to see that because I saw Chloe when she was just a shy little freshman, barely talked. And now I've seen her grow into this um, strong, smart, uh, you know, obviously just talented player, extremely athletic. And I, I think it's just really special to be able to see that um, growth and see how, you know, she's really a product of just trusting the process and trusting, you know, what our staff can do for a player in our program. I'm sure something everybody is dying for us to ask, and, and we do want to know uh, and as assume the best. How are you feeling? Are you are you feeling at a 100% ready to go into the fall sessions? Good to go? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I practiced, worked out all summer with the girls. Um you know, last summer, it wasn't the same. I had to, you know, take a little time off, but this summer is, has been great. I've been able to be in practice doing everything. So um, I'm feeling really good, just continuing to keep up with rehab, keep up with strengthening my leg and um, feeling good going into the preseason. Have, have you been able to add in 
you know, a couple new tools in the tool belt? Are there are there some some tricks? You know, we don't want to do that any... dance again. Could you yeah, do that new tool the dance? Tool belt, you know, yeah, it's a good new tool dance. <laughs> yeah, um, um, yeah. Like what you you want to keep growing your game? What have you been up to this summer on that end? Yeah, um, you know, Coach Rhett, who's my position coach, will just throw in you know things that I may never do in a game, but just to continue to like get me comfortable doing different things so whether it's you know attacking the rim from the three-point line or you know doing just doing different moves into finishes just things that you know I might not do in a game but it can it can make me stronger in other areas that you know I might not be before so he always is throwing new things in like here Mac try this move today or try this move today um just to continue to you know get me comfortable in a lot of different areas Let's talk about Iowa. Let's just talk about Iowa for a minute. So look, I don't even, I'm not going to even mention her name. Okay. But I am going to mention <laughs> Iowa because you guys are the two best teams in the conference. You were last year and you probably are going to be this year, or at least competing for the top two slots. One, that game that you played in Bloomington against Iowa last year with that crowd on national television it just had – it was as big of a regular season game as I remember watching, period. Not men or women. It had big game feel all over it. How much fun was that game to play in? And talk to me a little bit about what it felt like to win that game. Yeah, I mean, we had a great game plan going into the game. I think we were all super confident and felt super prepared, which is really important when you go into a game that – that big and we expected a big crowd and we were hoping for a big crowd and and they delivered to say the least I I think we were all feeding off of it I know I was um, getting fired up um, but it just shows how much our fans are so crucial to our success um, whenever we have a crowd like that in the hall um, we're a pretty tough team to beat and I think it's just because the energy that they bring um, they're so loyal and uh, just so passionate that I think it it makes it a really fun um, atmosphere to play in. Where do you rank that win in your time at Indiana? Oh gosh, um, I don't know. It's so hard. Every every win is sweet. Um, I don't know if I can, you know, have favorites, but a lot of the wins that we had in Assembly this year were among some of my favorites. UNC and. Um, even Ohio State, Ohio State, Maryland, beating Maryland at home is always really special. So all those games, um, I just love winning and I, and I love our fans. So you put those two together and, and it's a great thing. (laughs) And and, I mean, you went through a murderer's row at the end of the season. I mean, it was not spread out for you guys. You were playing (laughs) Ohio State and Maryland and Iowa all together. And you were 26 and one. I mean, you were 26 and one. Uh, and then the season did not end the way that we all wanted it to. The last five games, I think, of the season, we went two and three. Did you get banged up there in the Big Ten tournament? Was there, did you tweak your knee or something? Cause it looked like you did. Yeah, I, I was not, I was not feeling good in the Big Ten tournament. It was in the Michigan State game, I think two quarters in. Um, I tweaked my knee and, um, Looking back, it probably wasn't the best idea to, you know, continue to play on it, but I just wanted to win so bad. And, you know, I have a, we have a great team of medical staff here at IU and 
they made sure it was safe to go and ready to go. And I gave it a shot, but I just, I did not feel like myself um, probably the last month of the season. How hard is that mentally to deal with Matt? Cause that's two years in a row, right? Where at the end of the year or something got taken from you completely out of your control. How do you deal with that mentally and emotionally? It's hard. It is really hard, especially because, um, you know, I worked so hard all year and um, we all just had such a, it's hard not to put some of it on myself. Like, gosh, if I would just stay healthy, then things would have been different. But I, I know it's, you know, hard. It's hard to say that, but I, I think it's just, you know, trying to stay positive and looking on what we did accomplish and all of that, all of those things together. But it, it's not easy at all, especially because um, I've tried so hard to, you know, keep a good mindset through it. And just, you know, when, when something like that happens, it just, brings your confidence and brings your self-esteem down just a little bit. I wonder, I mean, look, it's easy to be like, Hey, you weren't feeling great. If that hadn't been the situation, it all ends differently. We're having a different conversation, but in terms of what maybe things were within the team's control, when you look at the last stretch of the season and how it ended, what are some tangible things you talk about as a team, you work on as a team or, or, or coach Morin points out like, Hey, this is, this is what we need to do differently. This is what we need to learn and implement going into next year. So it's a different result. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think it, what the right answer to that is. Um, Cause the team's different. So it's going to, it's going to look different no matter what, um, and, you know, you never know what position we're going to be in come March this year. So I, I think it's hard to say, um, but, you know, just continue to trust, you know, that the work that we put in and the preparation that we do, we, that it will get us to the points and to the games and have us win games that we know we need to win. And um, just continuing to, you know, have confidence in ourselves and in our teammates, which, which we do, but, I think it it all depends, you know, on where we're at during the season because, um, you know, things might have been different if I hadn't gotten injured or Grace hadn't gotten injured early in the year. So I think it's just hard to, you know, answer that this early in the se- in the season before things really start going. One of the things that I love about your team the last couple of years is the most fun you can have as a fan of a basketball team is that, you know, going into a game, that if we play our game, we will win or be in the game and have a chance to win, period. Mm-hmm. And the only times that you guys got kind of taken out of what you do were not, not even the, the Iowa road game you guys were in. I mean, she hit a great shot at the end of the game, you know. Um, but the Ohio State game in the Big Ten tournament and then the Miami game, both were like we weren't ourselves in those games, right? I think that that would be a fair assessment. But every other game, even when the shot wasn't falling, you know, the three ball wasn't falling as much. Maybe you got off to a slow start and then came on in the second half. It didn't matter because we did what we do defensively and offensively. And ultimately, we were going to win. And 26 out of the first 27 games of the year, we did. And that's why you won the Big Ten Championship outright for the first time ever, which is just an insane achievement in the best year ever for the Big Ten and quite possibly the best year ever for any conference in women's basketball. I mean, it is such a stupendous uh, achievement. Uh, you just, you, you have to just 
be able to look back at that. Maybe not right now because you're still upset how the year went, but that's going to be something you take with you forever. I know as fans, we will. Yeah, it was it was super special. And I think, you know, trying to just stay focused, you know, we lost that game to Michigan State, um, I think in December, which was hard for us. But just to be able to bounce back from that and continue to um, chip away at that Big Ten schedule, because it is hard. And, you know, anybody, any given night can come out and beat you. Um, That's just how the Big Ten is. So just our ability to really lock in after that loss and just bounce back and continue to um, just work hard and be focused for the rest of the season was super special. So it's, it's fall now classes are back, back in session. Um, I always think it must be a fairly different experience for an IU basketball player than us common people. Uh, But are you able uh, even in this, um you know not your first rodeo of just be able to walk through campus go to class and just be like i just love going to indiana university yeah i mean this time of year is great the weather the weather is a little hot right now this week last week week was hot but um the weather's beautiful um people are excited to be back uh fall sports are around i'm super excited for the football game on sunday saturday right saturday yeah, saturday yep super excited for saturday um and so i think that you know it's just a really exciting time of year um to be a hoosier for sure you know one of the things that endeared you to i think you had already endeared yourself to everybody in bloomington but i think it was a couple of years ago where a press conference maybe at the end of the season and you're like there was no like question on would you use your COVID year or anything like that. You were like, look, as long as they let me wear the Indiana Jersey, I am going to wear the Indiana Jersey. And I just, that mindset is how so many of us feel about just being part of Indiana and you're from Gorham, Maine. So, I mean, like, I just love you embody everything that being a Hoosier is, which also has to mean that going into your fifth year, Look, you've got to be a culinary expert of Bloomington by now. So what is the favorite restaurant? Has it changed over your four or five years in Bloomington? What is, give us favorite pizza, favorite restaurant. Give us those two. Okay. Favorite pizza. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of good pizza in Bloomington. I really like... Um, Da Vinci. Da Vinci has really good pizza. Um, okay. And I'd say for favorite restaurant, it has changed. So I, I, you know, my brother went here, him and I tried a bunch of different places. Um, you know, we have our, our favorites for different, you know, occasions. Like if parents are in town, we'll go here because it's you a little work. more expensive. Um, give, but- us that. give us that. Give us the parents dinner. Where are you? <laughs> where, where are you making your parents take you? Um, it depends because we have a few spots, but we, I really like Osteria Rago, um, yes. Italian place in town, which so many people don't know about, but it's hidden. It's right behind. It's like, Nick's, it, yeah, right? it is hidden, but it's so good. Um, really good Italian place. Um, we really like, um, feast. I don't know if you've been to feast before. No. Do you know where Southern Stone is? Yes. Yes. Where, what I know is? Where Southern Stone is. Southern Stone. Oh, okay. Yep. It's Mike like Ross's right, restaurant. literally right next door to Southern Stone. Um, there's a lot of different places in Bloomington. Um, I haven't tried Che Bello before, but that's a new place that I've Pretty been wanting good. to try. Um, All right. So now parents aren't in town. You've got 
like between the two of you, $14, it's <laughs> 2 a.m. Where are you going? And you can open up any restaurant. Where are you? Oh, going? okay. I was like, well, 2 a.m. Yeah, it's just, I know. The, it's Goodfellas or Denny's or not something. Not a fan of the, the whatever that is, bought Z and C. Z and C? Yeah. I, no, I can't okay. do it. <laughs> I want to try, but every time I walk by, I'm like, yeah, no, I can't do it. But, um, hmm. That's a good question. I really like Social Cantina. I'm nice. a big I'm a big fan of Social Cantina. Um I like the tap too, you know, two really good places. Um but there's a bunch of different spots in Bloomington. I like I like to switch it up. I, I wouldn't say I go to the same spot every time. Now look, you're you're a big time big time college athlete, but I mean, hopefully there's cheat days and you can grab a dessert from time to time. Where where would be your favorite dessert spot? Baked. Yes. 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 Now, now wait, I, I want to talk about this a little because I remember Ward and I went to a soccer game. <laughs> oh, a God. Years ago. I probably came up to you, didn't I? <laughs> no, we, you, we, we kind of got there around the same time. And I was like, where should we go for dessert? And I think you told me at the time that Crumble was like new in Bloomington. And I think that was all the rage. And I it was like, was. crumble, not baked. And you're like, no, crumble's the place. So has baked come back and taken back its rightful spot? Yeah, I think baked will always be that, you know, number one spot. But when crumble was new, I think everyone was just intrigued in going there. But I haven't been to crumble in forever. But but baked is really good. I'm also a big ice cream person. I love ice cream so much. Well, so chocolate I, mousse is also really good. But. Sure. What's the but, order? What's the but order? Wait, but first at baked... Yeah, Will you do what so. I do and go a la mode? No, I didn't even know that was an option. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I, it's I, just for work. <laughs> maybe they keep the vanilla ice cream because <laughs> they know I'm coming. Yeah, Ward, Ward has to get like a big hunk of vanilla ice cream with that the sounds amazing. I that's something I would totally do, but um, I have never done that there before. Do you know what I saw online that might be the greatest hack I've ever seen? And I'm gonna do it. A guy went and bought like Nestle Toll House cookies from the store, soft, right? Mm -hmm. Soft baked Nestle Toll House. They're like yay big. Then you buy your favorite Ben and Jerry's pint. Then you take a knife, you put the Ben and Jerry's pint on its side, you cut, you slice it in thick slices, peel uh the paper off, ice cream Sambo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll do that. That is a good hack. <laughs> All right, what is the order of chocolate? Well, first, baked. Do you have a cookie? Is there a specific cookie that you get custom made? Yeah, so when we were freshmen in college, I lived with Ariel Wisney and Grace Wagner, and we had tried a bunch of different combinations, but our favorite has been sugar cookie with rainbow sprinkles and then um, the, like, vanilla cream cheese frosting on top after it oh yeah we, we told our staff about it i think during covid rhett got it probably like three times a week or something like that. wait wait a minute sugar cookie vanilla cream cheese frosting and rainbow sprinkles yeah you have the palate of an eight-year-old no I mean, no 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 is. no you don't understand no you don't understand it it's very <laughs> no it's it's very the rainbow delicious. sprinkles. It's very no, Trust me, when they're baked into the cookie, it's just all right. I'm so gonna do good. it when we come to Bloomington next. I'm gonna do that order. And by the way, they need to call that the Mac. I don't know if I can take credit for it. I really don't because I, 
listen, <laughs> you're about to be a professional. Let me tell you something. Just take the credit when it comes to you. Don't start, don't start pawning it off on people. Just take it. It it is a delicious cookie though. All right. Chocolate mousse order. What are we doing? Um, I like uh like a black white malt. So I usually do like a milkshake of some kind or sometimes I'll get there like I don't know if it's like a blizz. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'll do like cookie dough or something like that. But mixins. I'm usually a, a just a black white malt type of type people of sleep on the malt. Malt is an underappreciated flavor. It is. It is. Now in Gorham, Maine, is lobster like the big deal? Not in Gorham. We don't really have many seafood places. I mean, you can get it just because you can get a lobster roll anywhere. But usually, Portland, Maine, um, is the spot to get the the good seafood. All right. I got to talk about this. Indiana women's basketball is playing in Maine this year. And I, when I saw that announcement, it made me so happy because I've read about like um, Roy Williams used to do this where like it was known that Roy for his seniors would try to play a game if he had like a senior start, he'd try to play at their hometown to give them, you know, a chance. Did you know this was in the works when you found out? Just tell us how you found out and how and what was your first reaction to it? So I was under the impression that I already had my homecoming game because my junior year we played at Quinnipiac, which was about two hours from uh, my hometown. So we had a lot of people at that game, a lot of main people. And then this summer, um Liz who was our director of operations after a lift this is literally at like 7 a.m in the football weight room she's like do you hear we're going to Portland and I was like where are we playing that we have to fly through Portland like I was so confused I was like <laughs> what I was like why are we going to Portland she's like we're playing Maine in Portland and I was like we're what I just start crying <laughs> middle of the Aww. middle of the weight room the football weight room just started crying um and she's like oh I didn't she's like I'm sorry I didn't mean to like I'm like no it's amazing like thank you so much and I asked her like how and she was just saying that you know Amy Vashon who is the head coach of UMaine and coach Morin had been talking and um made it work and University of Maine is an, actually in Orono which is about two hours north of where I'm from Portland is where we're playing so we're playing at a neutral site in Portland and I was like, where are we playing in Portland? She's like, the Cross Insurance Center. And I was like, so where I played every single high school playoff game of my career. I've won two state championships, the Cross Insurance Center. So it's it's just incredible. Um, literally 15 minutes from my house, like that close to where I live. So well, I'm, I'm super excited. And I've said nothing but amazing things about Maine to everyone at IU. Um, so I'm excited to be able to have them see it firsthand themselves. I would have to imagine the stands will be at least three quarters full of your friends and family and fans. And I do wonder, you know, they've known you since before all this, you know, as you just started playing the game and loving the game. And would you guys talk, and I'm sure you do often, how often does it go to, can you believe it? Can you believe this is where this was all coming to? Or or does it just feel like, no, this is this is all natural and normal and everything you've accomplished and what you're looking to accomplish this year, you know, being 
irrefutably the statistical goat of Indiana University. Does that ever come up with the family or do you just talk about how you're behind on laundry? I usually I usually like shut it down when it comes up around my family. Um, my dad, you know, we'll talk we'll talk basketball for days if you let him. Um, but sometimes I, I, you know, I don't like to think about it too much sometimes. So I, I kind of just like, hey, let's talk about something else. Um, but the opportunity to play in Maine is just amazing. Um, I talk about how amazing Hoosier Nation is. And I think, you know, my fans back home in Maine can rival that just because they're so dedicated to, you know, watching my games. There's, you know, small little restaurants in Gorham and they have my games on when they're, when they're on TV. So I think it's just really special um, the support that they've shown me and the fact that they continue to follow me in my college career is, is amazing. And I'm just, I can't wait to be able to, you know, play in front of them, but not only me, but our whole team, because as they've watched me, they've also fell in love with the rest of the girls and with our coaches. So they're just as excited um, to see them as well. Is there one restaurant or, or, a, or a item of food that you want the team to experience while in Maine? Uh, obviously lobster if you know we have some seafood fans I know um there was one restaurant when I was in high school Rhett came to watch me play and there's one restaurant he went to in Portland um called DeMillo's it's like a a boat and it's a restaurant kind of on the water and he said I'm going there he's like I don't care if the team's not going there I'm going there (laughs) (laughs) or whatever it takes I love it. You know, you, I know you're not the person that wants to harp on individual achievement. I get that. And I know you're somebody who's just focused on the team and what's in front of you. That said, you do know this is your last year at Indiana. Is there something that happens on a routine basis at, at Indiana as a, as a player on the team, whether it's in the locker room, a certain like energy bar or a drink or something that like, now going into the season, you're like, these you're, are gonna be the last. You're so food obsessed. <laughs> I am, I am. It's true. Well, my favorite thing about going back to Indiana is when we sneak in and we steal the bars and drinks. That's the truth. <laughs> and then but you these... complain about the selection. <laughs> well, they changed it up this time and got rid of the stuff that tasted good because it had too much sugar. <laughs> but but is there but it doesn't have to be food? Is there, you know, a hot tub that that like you go into a treatment or something that you realize? Every time you go, it's like, this is going to be the last year you get to do that. Is there something like that for you? Um, I think, you know, when we completed summer workouts, you know, we have like our timed mile and, um, you know, little um, tests that we do on the Versa Climber running and all that stuff. I think when we complete those, that's kind of like, wow, it's the last time I'm ever going to have to like do that. You know what I mean? So that's the, that's the biggest thing because we do a lot of those different fitness tests and um you know vertical jump all of those things so just realizing that that's like my last time you know spend I spent my last summer in Bloomington when things I think come to an end is when I realize it the most uh, what was I your can time run a mile in that I can run a mile in one half of a day <laughs> wow are you are you able to Mac, beat that Mac I'm interested um, in your mile time oh. so I actually did not run the mile this year um they try to you know help me, you know, keep my knee load management, load management. So if I, you know, don't have to run a mile and it's good for my knee, then, you know, I have ran, I have ran in the past. So uh, I think they, um, you know, I know that I would be capable of doing it, but it's just not in the, the best interest for me right now. What was it? Do you know the best team on the time this summer? 
Like who who ran? I, Ward Ward just said, "Do you know the best team on the time?" Yeah. I knew exactly what he meant too. That's See, that's Max with me. I, Max I, with me. I knew exactly <laughs> what he was asking. Um, yeah, Lexi, I, Lexi, I think broke six, six minutes. I think she ran five fifty something. That's insane. Uh, which is which is way above um, the expectation. I think yeah, the she's flash. She's the it's flash. like six, I think six thirty for guards, six forty five for posts is the. Can we can we talk about this about Lexi real quick? By the way, is that what everybody calls her, Lexi? Because her name's Lexus, yeah. right? Yeah, Lexi. Okay. So Lexi, when we saw her at the youth camp, I went up to her and I said, hey, no knee brace. And she was like, thank God. It's like behind me. I don't need it. And we talked a little bit and she said like, yeah, definitely when you wear it is like a mental block. You know, it it, it prevents you from just letting go because you you know it. She seems so happy. And she showed so much promise last year. She's a big guard who clearly knows how to play the game. Um, and now probably going to have more opportunity because of the spots that are open. What have you seen from Lexi? And do you see kind of her blossoming into her potential? Yeah, she is just an outstanding athlete. Um, very, very impressive athlete, um, which I think she showed last year. But um, just to be able to see her getting stronger, getting faster, um, which, you know, who thought that was possible, but, um, just to continue to see again, confidence is huge and to see her confidence grow. And, um, she knows that she needs to, um, be, you know, someone who, you know, has that responsibility of picking up ball full court and taking that role seriously. So just to continue to see her grow and get stronger and faster has just, um, been great because I know she has a super bright future. She seems like she can be a menace on the ball the way that Nikki was a couple years yeah, back. Yeah, right? I think and she's definitely, bigger. Yes, she's longer. She has super long arms. Um, she's quick. So I, I think that she, you know, is looking to kind of slide into that role this year. Mac, we cannot wait to see what the new look Hoosiers are like. Um, when, when the ball finally gets rolled out there and we we get to watch this team i mean what i guess for you going into the last hurrah is anything less than repeating as big 10 champions and getting to the final four i mean is that, that that's got to be it right like you will accept nothing less than that yeah i mean this is this is why i came back you know what i mean um i came back because i feel like for so many reasons, right? I, I came back for so many reasons, but um, I really hated the way that things ended last year. And I just know that we have such a special team and we're capable of so much. And um, I just want to, you know, be a part of something like that just for one more year before um, the next phase of my life. All right, real quick, other questions. You've got to pick one teammate to go compete on America's Got Talent. Who would be the the teammate and what talent would it be? Um, I'll have to go with Ariel Wisney. Um, a lot of people don't know this about her, but she's extremely musically gifted. She's Ooh. a great singer. Um, she's also very an entertaining person. If you just watch her, you know, she, um, she's hilarious. So I think that, you know, I would be there as her supporter, but I would let her sing. Um, she writes music. She's very artistic. So I would just let her do her thing when I'll just be, you know, background dancer, you know, some vocals, whatever she might need. But Ariel, Ariel's very, very talented. But like the it. judges come up and they say, Mac, 
that's that's not good enough. You, Mac, need to sing a song yourself. What song do you choose to sing karaoke style? Oh gosh. Um I don't know. That's such a hard question. Um can you guys give your answers first and then I'll think about it? Yeah, I'll go. Award well, Ward's gonna pick an Elvis song. And Eric's gonna pick a Billy Joel song. No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. All right, Even go ahead. because I can't do it justice. <laughs> I think I would do like Thunder Road or no, American no. Pie. I would not let you do Thunder Road because you There's, could not do justice to that. Yeah, no. There's Springsteen. You yeah. would butcher Thunder Road. That is the song Annie and I dance to. You are not allowed to ever sing that song. <laughs> I'm going to do it right now. No, no, you're not. I'll go, I'll cut it out of the episode. <laughs> uh, okay. All right, Mackenzie, you... And Wait, you got to answer. What song would you yeah. do, Ward? Oh, we've um, we bought you some time. So no, no, is... Ward, what's your song? All right, I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to say Blister in the Sun by the Violent Femmes because it doesn't require any vocal talent. Like a blister in the sun, yeah. let me go on. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, now, Mac, you got to give us one. Okay, this might be a little bit of a surprise, um, but this is inspired by, have you guys seen the movie Sing or no? Yes, of course. So we have kids. I will we have, have kids. To go... Mac, we've we have kids. We've seen that movie 400 times. What are so you talking have I. about? So have I. <laughs> um, I will have to go with um, I'm Still Standing by Elton John. Great. Great song. That's a great yeah. choice. Great that choice. is a fun yeah, song. Yeah, it is a fun song. Are you um, an Elton John fan in general? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I do like Elton John. Um, I think, you know, my dad forced me to listen to, you know, uh, Elton don't, don't do that to us, Matt. All don't that do, growing up. So <laughs> don't do the my dad stuff when it makes us just feel old. That just was what it, we're, we're your dad. That's what we are. Your dad and us, we're the same. We're listening to Elton John, Bruce Springsteen, and Billy Joel. Um, you and your teammate are getting dropped in the middle of the forest, the wilderness. You, 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 you can have like one, one item of survival each. Doesn't matter what that is. You need to survive with your teammate. Who is the survivalist that you're picking to have your back out there? Um, Also, who are you looking at? There is a teammate next to you that you're looking at. No, no, no. I'm just looking out into the distance. I'm not looking at the distance. I thought you were cheating. I thought you were cheating. No. Um, I might have to go with. Probably Lexi, you know, she, she's strong. Um, She's pretty outdoorsy. I think she'd have some good survival skills. Not Sydney. Sydney. No, No, no. (laughs) there's no, there's no mascara in the forest. (laughs) I, you know, I think that I think it's not so much her, but I think her and I together would just be so (laughs) counterproductive um, in the forest. It's not, I think that she would probably be fine with somebody else, but her and I together would just be very counterproductive. We'd probably just like be like, you know, it's fine. We'll just stay here. Like, (laughs) (laughs) we don't need to cook anything. Yeah. We're like, it's all right. We'll, someone will find us eventually. It's fine. (laughs) Um, On Sydney, though, and maybe this will, like, we ask this question a lot. So I'm going to ask you, and I think I might, present company excluded, I might pick Sydney for this. You are walking in that little alleyway right next to Osteria Ragu, right? It's late at night. It's like two in the morning. And here come five Iowa Hawkeyes wearing those ugly jackets, and they are ready to fight. And you have one teammate to pick. 
to fight with you. See, I think Sydney, for all the mascara and makeup and nails, she looks like she would just tear. She looks like she would bite someone's forehead. Like yes. she just seems like she's a beast. Who who would be your fight partner? I would have to say either Sydney or Chloe. Oh, Chloe! How Chloe's Chloe. quiet. I didn't know no, that Chloe. Chloe is. She yeah no Chloe is um I think deceptively um badass um you know what I mean she she's got she's got some fire she's got some grit to her as does Sydney um but I mean I think it was me Sydney and Chloe were taking them down instantly um but you know I think that both of them the both of them would be good options if you had to have a teammate cook you a meal who is the last teammate you would want to have cook you that meal um it's Sydney. Probably Lene. Oh, Lene? Yeah. Newcomer. Newcomer. Putting the newcomer on blast. Yes, right that on Illinois cuisine. The Illinois cuisine isn't up to snuff. I just don't know. I just don't know if she cooks. I don't know if I've ever heard of her cooking anything, which I think everybody else on our team can can whoop together something, but I don't know about I don't know about Lene. Lene just comes out with some cold pop tarts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what she would what she would create. I could be wrong though. Maybe I'm wrong, but I I think I'm pretty spot on with that one. Can't let you get out of here without asking you: creamy or crunchy peanut butter? Creamy. Mm -hmm. That's (laughs) that's not correct. (laughs) They say don't meet your heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not correct. You were really rolling in this interview until that one. I don't think I'd ever like, be like, yeah, let me go buy some crunchy peanut butter. All right. All right. One last silly one. <laughs> who's who's cooler, Elvis or Billy Joel? Elvis? Yeah. Definitive. Jesus. Never a doubt. Never silly. a doubt. Silly question. Silly question. <laughs> all right. Listen, Mac, you've taken up a lot of your time to talk to us two idiots with these really ridiculous questions. We love you. We love what you've done at Indiana. We love that we have another year to watch you. I cannot wait for this season. I I said this, look, I said it before in this conversation. That loss is one of the most painful losses I've ever watched. But in the days afterwards, and I think Ward and I talked about this on the podcast, I was happy about it for this reason. It shows where the program is. Right. When that's a disappointing. Yes. When when you're that pissed off, when people are online throwing barbs, when they're like, they've got the answers. Guess what? You've arrived. Like, that's what you've built. They're selling season tickets now, Mm -hmm. reserved season tickets. And I understand like the entire lower bowl is sold out of season tickets. You're getting 15,000 plus. You're getting nationally rated games that are some of the highest of the year in all of college basketball. You're expected to win every game you play. That's what you and your teammates and your coaching staff have built at Indiana. It is one of the most remarkable sports stories I have ever seen. And it's certainly one of the most remarkable things I've ever been a fan of. I love it. I love how you play the game. I love your leadership and how you how you lead this team and program. And I just cannot wait to savor every single minute you're on the court this year. Well, thank you. And, you know, I just hope that, you know, we keep continuing to um, break attendance records and and do special things. And I'm really appreciative that you guys had me on here tonight. Of course. 
And look, if we can't be there in person, and no doubt we will be screaming our heads off, if you listen really quietly, you'll hear two voices from the West Coast screaming like crazy every game you guys are playing because we might be far away, but we're with you every step of this season, and and we can't wait to get it started. Do you, I would expect nothing less. <laughs> do, do you know how many victory cigar videos I did last year for you guys? I mean, I did one for every single one. It was <laughs> yeah, so good. I'm starting to question how special a victory cigar is <laughs> at this point in time because I, somehow i see them a victory cigar for almost anything but um no, no you don't see a victory cigar for everything you may see a cigar for everything but a victory cigar i'm out no, what, on my what patio be, what would be really special is every time the iu women's team wins you don't smoke a cigar that would blow people away. You're like, I am going to not smoke a cigar for like an hour. Just not smoke a cigar for an not hour. Like that idea. I go out on my patio, I smoke the cigar, and I sing Gloriana Frangipana on my back <laughs> patio. I do it. That's what I've been I, doing. I didn't know that song before you guys started doing it. I didn't know that song. Did true. you know that song, Ward? I did not. Do you know all the words to that song, or do you still have to cheat and look at the cards? No, I, I know the words. I do know the words. Some of your teammates do not know the words. Yeah, I know. You know that. You know I know that. that. They're I just doing it. this. They're doing watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. <laughs> you know they're cheating. All right, Mac, thanks so much for taking the time. Can't wait to watch you play this year. Say hi to all your teammates and go kick some ass. I will. Thank you guys so much. That was a guest. That was a guest. You know, we talked to her two years ago, and she was exploding into becoming the star that she is now. She would just come off of her sophomore year where she exploded and was one of the best players on the team. She is night and day a different person. From is, If you go back and listen to that ward versus this. She is so comfortable in her own skin. She's just sitting there. She's just glowing in, in both accomplishment, confidence, and and really, I think this optimism for what this team and this season, and honestly, her whole life has in store. And appreciation. Like, she has a humility and an appreciation for what they have built together. I mean, she is humble as hell, but she knows what they've built, and she relishes it. She loves it. I mean, you know, she almost catches herself when you asked her, like, Big Ten Championship and Final Four, right? Like, that's you're not going to accept anything less. And she's like, listen, that's why I came back. And she catches herself like, well, no, I came back for a lot of reasons. No, it's okay to own that you came back for those things. And that, that's the only way you'll accomplish them. Like, and right. I think Coach Woodson's building this over on the men's side again of like, no, 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 no. This is what we do here. Uh, but there's it's okay to say it out loud. It's okay to say it. Terry, what I loved about Terry last year, throughout the year, I watched every press conference. She never shied away from saying, we have, this is not what we were set out to accomplish. Like we have big goals. We're here to win championships. And yes, they fell short of one of those goals, but it, the really good teams don't shy away from the expectations that are heaped on them. They relish them. They use them. They feed off of them. And that's the sense I get from just who Mac has turned into as a, as a just leader, as a leader of a basketball team and a leader of other women. Yeah. I think not only is this season going to be fun, uh, let's hope she gets drafted by the fever too. And we can watch her grace together again, but I, 
I do think college is so important for so many people to, to grow up and to just kind of get a understanding of who they are and what they want to do and how they want to do it. And that's where, wherever life leads her with basketball, beyond basketball, she knows that she's going to be successful because why? Uh, well, she's had great mentors, great leadership to learn from. Now she's grown into that herself. And she also realizes, and maybe she, this is, this is part of why coach Morin reached out to her in the first place to bring her to Bloomington. When you work your ass off like that, the results will come. And, and that confidence comes from all that hard work. And no doubt the skill is, is what Terry saw, but she also saw a winner. I mean, you heard her. That's where I won two state championships, <laughs> yeah. right? Like she's a winner, two state championships there, a big 10 championship here, sweet 16, I'm sorry, elite eight here at Indiana, taking the program to heights. It has never reached. It is remarkable. She could not embody Hoosier spirit more, and she's from Gorham, Maine. I just love it. I I got to tell you, I would love to go to Gorham or to Portland, Maine to be at that game. How cool would that be? That would be so fun. Road trip? Road trip. Just you and me from L.A. to Portland, Maine. Do you? How many fights would we get into? I mean, arguments or physical altercations? I don't think we would ever physically fight because you know how that would go. But in a... Uh... <laughs> but arguments, arguments, how many? How many before we're arguing about UFOs? Where do we get in the country? Do we cross Arizona? No, because we're getting out into the desert. We're, I mean, very oh, quickly, we're, we're into going UFO right through Area 51. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll make some side trips for sure. Swing down through Roswell. Do you think you and I could do a road trip to Portland, Maine? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, look, we 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 could get there in what? Probably five, six days. Should we, we leave now? <laughs> I mean, if you buy, uh, if you mean never, yes. Like, I still I'm, think I, you and I need to do the trip to Bloomington. We need to do a road trip to Bloomington one time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, anyway, I feel, I feel um, like the Gorman main thing is that's Gorham, Gorham, Gorham. What did I say? Gorman? Gorham. Yeah, Gorman. Well, it was a dentist I used to go to. There's a yeah. baseball player for the St. Louis Cardinals named Neil Gorman, um, Nolan Gorman. But th because that is literally the opposite corner of the country with Bloomington. You know, we've all I've done the Indiana to California drive so many times. There would be sort of a. A real sadistic slash masochistic angle on like let's punish ourselves by trapping ourselves in a car together for as long as we can we should do it <laughs> we should do it but we'd have to rent a car and then fly back we're definitely flying back where that that would be such a the novelty the humor the arguments the, 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 the content on the way there would be great all that would be gone on the way home if anybody out there owns a rental car company and wants to give us a rental car to go from L.A. to Portland, Maine. If you can provide us some vehicle from L.A. to Portland, Maine, we will do it. Let's let's set our sights higher. If anybody owns an RV. Well, I tried that. Remember we tried that? 
we almost did that. We, we had almost- we had a possible integration with a RV company, and in the end, they realized that, that was not going to do well for them. <laughs> yeah, and they would get an RV back stinking of smoke. Well, that, yeah, I mean, like the RV isn't already stinking of your <laughs> kind of smoke. Are you saying all RVs are rented by like dope smoking hippies? No, I'm saying that all RVs have dope smoke in them. I mean, not necessarily they're rented by, but yes. I I just think of it more as like families and maybe retired folks, not so much a bunch of potheads renting RVs. Uh, maybe you're right. I don't know. I don't really know anything about RVs, Ward. <laughs> or pot smoking. <laughs> yeah, I know nothing about either. I also don't know anything about gummies. I gave you Tums. You gave me Tummies. <laughs> Tummies. I know a lot about tummies. I know a lot about settling your stomach. Uh, On to the serious tip. I am very interested to watch how they manage max minutes, especially in the non-Big Ten part of the season. Because I think that there is a thought that by the end of the year, these last two years, the knee is just weakened and they need to do a better job of it, which is why they, I don't think she played in, well, she definitely didn't play in one of the neither game, right? No, I don't Greece? think. Yeah, out of an abundance of caution. Yeah, so I I am curious if like those games where we're going to beat a team by forty, does she take some games off? Which, by the way, is interesting because she could become the all time leading scorer in Indiana women's basketball history, passing Tyra Buss, which you and I would both be very happy about. Yep. Um, but I wonder if they're going to back off a little bit to just rest because. This team is playing for March. That is what yeah. they're playing for. I I think every decision with Mac and the entire team will will be predicated upon what is best for March. And look, Mac has played plenty of games in an Indiana uniform. You know she wants as many as she can get, but she'd rather squeeze a few more out at the end of this year than against some hapless foes who are just going to get pummeled like those teams in Greece did. All right, Ward, I want to talk to you in all honesty about see, when, this. See, when you say that, it's like, like normally I might be lying to you, Ward, but let's let's actually be truthful here. Okay. Indiana plays Maine at the Cross Insurance Arena on uh-huh. November 30th. Is that Thanksgiving or is it the week after Thanksgiving? Well, Thanksgiving's usually, what, the last Thursday of November? No, I think it's the second to last, right? Or is it the fourth? You think we know that? Yeah, <laughs> I was feel it's the Thanksgiving like the last... is the twenty third. Indiana yeah. plays on the thirtieth in May. We could leave after Thanksgiving. Hear me out. I think I'm going to Mexico. Are you really? Yeah, for Thanksgiving, I think. But then, aren't you back after Thanksgiving? Well, okay. What date would we have to leave? Well, I don't know, Ward. I'm what am I, Rand fucking McNally over here? Well, I don't I, know. Look, it's it's you can make Indiana in three days, so we could make it to Maine in five or six days. Six days because we, you know, we'd want to do some stuff along the way. I'm doing it on Google right now. Google says for us to get to Portland, Maine <laughs> from my house. <laughs> hold on, it's taking a while for Google to to even come up with a route. <laughs> it really, oh, it will take forty five hours. Oh, so we could do it in two days. We're there. (laughs) If one of if we alternate sleeping, we can make it in two days. It sounds safe. (laughs) I think we do it. I think we do it. I think we could safely make it in three days. 
I'm not saying no, but I'm not saying yes. <laughs> Word. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. <laughs> it really is. There's not going to be another chance we'd ever even consider this. So I'll do that. I'll do that. Um, look, Wait, I but can... I'm going to tell you something else. I'm going to tell you something else. That game is on November 30th. You're looking at the the Madison no. Square Garden games. It's yeah, no, it's like no. the 17th, right? No, no, it doesn't work. I was thinking, is there another men's game on the way? But <laughs> Indiana plays Harvard in Indianapolis on November 26th. We wouldn't. Well, we might be passing through. On the, on what day? The 26th? When are you coming back from Mexico? Well, I we haven't even booked flights You're yet. Not, just cancel it. Nah, that would be way better than going on a road trip with you. That is hurtful. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I wasn't I wasn't. We didn't to ask her nice. to do it. Damn it. This is this is two weeks in a row. Go back to using Woody. Follow us on Twitter for the hysterics. Ooh, I didn't even say what the handle is. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E. No I. But the sometimes why. See you See next you week. Okay. Zip it. Yeah. It. Go ahead. What if? Okay, but. Okay. Goodbye. See ya. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.